Hello, everyone. I'm Kevin Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're going. Take two. You we're know, good. Getting, hey, everyone. You know, outtakes. You just got to keep rolling. We're, we're, we're good. It's, you'll find that a lot with me, everyone. So, so welcome to the Flexible Dieting Podcast. I'm Kevin Brunacini here with Austin Kiergaard and Joe Klumzeski and my dogs, Layla and Jasmine. So uh, today's topic is I want to do uh, kind of a not an addendum, but a part two to self-monitoring that was previously done. Um, I'm big on this, uh, as you may have heard from the previous discussion on self-monitoring, just because it's so impactful and indicative of long-term weight loss success. So, um, and I feel, I'm sure we all can speak to this, but as, you know, not only maybe for ourselves, but for clients that we are counseling, we have seen it over and over when they have logs and either they're because they're not progressing, but regardless of a weight status, I want to kind of keep that on the, on the back end for this discussion, but just looking at logs and when things are not adding up correctly in the sense of what they are logging. Um, I want to kind of deep uh, dive into that just because, you know, clients don't know what they don't know. So just them logging is, I mean, that's, that's incredible. Just in that, just with that itself, but just logging is not necessarily meritable in the sense of being accurate and precise. So that's where I want to kind of dig into so that one clients know what to look for and what, and also, you know, for coaches, what should we be looking for, which I also help will translate to clients as well to be aware of, of these things for themselves. So, um, Austin, if I can throw it to you and Joe, it's going to be more or less the same questions, especially if you have more to add to his response. But Austin, the question is, you know, what are red flags when it comes to nutrition logs, uh, whether it's, you know, there's a discrepancy with the numbers themselves, a rounding issue. I don't want to give away too much, but you know, what are things that you look for that are potential red flags when looking at clients' logs? Uh, when I'm looking at clients' logs and I see uh, a few different things, I see a lot of frozen meals, and I'll get to why about that in a minute, a lot of frozen meals and a lot of going out to eat at restaurants. So with the frozen meals, you can find relatively healthy meals. I'm not against that, but if they're reliant on a lot of frozen meals because they're like, oh, it's a way for me to get my vegetables and things like that, and that's that's good, but it's also incredibly high in sodium. So if they're eating that quite often then I'm worried about how much sodium are we taking in? Are we feeling swollen? Are we, you know, having any of fluid retention from that, that maybe that's why if their goal is weight loss, maybe we're seeing a little bit less. Can we, you know, compromise a little bit, maybe have a couple frozen meals a week versus like three a day. And can we look for like lower sodium options and like vegetables, like low salt canned vegetables, things like that. So that's one thing that I kind of look for a little bit. And then with going out to eat quite often, I know you both know this as well as I do. It's it's really hard to become very precise when you go out to eat for a couple of reasons. We can go and look online and, and thankfully we're starting to see a lot of restaurants and a lot of places provide calories and macros. And that's very exciting to see. But what it doesn't account for is like, same thing, how much salt and butter and oil are those things being cooked in? And do we really know the portion size? We can use the the calories and macros as our guide, same thing. So it's not terrible, but it's really about like the frequency, like how often are you doing those things? And then <clears throat> another one I look for is when they have other things like, oh, I had 
I had a piece of chicken. I had a bagel. Things, those are really like, that's good. But if we're struggling, we want to be more precise. It might come down to like, okay, well, how much of the bagel did you have? And not to get super anal and technical about it, but did you weigh the bagel? Was it really the 60 gram serving or was it 75 grams? And you just said, well, I had one bagel because, you know, and and that stuff adds up over time. Now, again, that's more like very detailed, but it just are some things that if someone's really struggling to lose weight, I look at those things because I think those are things that are pretty easy to make a change. And that's kind of why I provided some of those examples earlier is switching to lower sodium options, maybe eating out a little bit less. We may have to weigh our food a little bit just to scrape off a couple grams here and there because maybe those are the things that we're missing. So those are a few things that I look for right away. Yeah, now I don't, I don't want to respond with, with my response just yet just because it's it, I don't want to take away what Joe might have to say and probably will validate my response anyway. So Joe, uh, do you have anything else to add in terms of those red flags you may have picked up over the years and what those look like? Yeah, I think that's a really good list. But for, first I want to say, just conceptually, I like that you said, Kevin, I'm really big on self-monitoring because that shows an academic concern for people's accuracy, which is because you care about their progress. Nobody wants to help a client and then they flounder, they're frustrated, and they just don't get to their goal. So all three of us understand the the accuracy and the objectivity of tracking food is foundational because that's just the first step. Quantity over quality, you have to know what you're consuming or you're not going to get there. So then you get into the details and, and Austin mentioned a bunch of them. I want to skip kind of to the end for a second, just to frame out the, the whole conversation in that when I certify or mentor coaches on the physiology of nutrition and metabolic science, Oftentimes when this question comes up, which we use intentionally in case studies, what do you do if a client stops losing weight? What if there's a plateau? Then a lot of people instinctively, a lot of coaches say, oh, I start cutting calories. I'll start by cutting out 25 grams of carbs or this or that. And yet we need to look at all these other things in the middle that are behavioral or, or qualitative or even quantitative. But when we do have to make changes, what I want people to understand is that biology is very threshold based. And so if you're doing what you think is fantastic and you're not losing, you're not losing, you're not losing, it may be just that next 50 calories a day consistently that all of a sudden gets you into the spot where you're losing a pound a week because it, it's not necessarily linear. So sometimes small changes matter and, and that's why tracking accuracy is, is a big deal. But one of the things that I look for, as well as what Austin mentioned, is food timing. We've talked about that in the past because mm -hmm. you have to have sometimes enough space between meals to start actualizing lipolysis, to get your body in that metabolic position to use body fat. And that's a little bit dependent on body type. And I'm one of those people with a slow metabolism being hypothyroid and just always having that foundational biology. I can eat the same amount of food, but as soon as I start waiting four, four and a half, five hours between a couple meals a day, instead of eating every two and a half or three hours around the clock, my body has a chance to really get into fat stores at a more consistent level. And even something like that can help. So looking at your food logs or tracking app, whatever, or even journal, however you're you're tracking your your food intake, you know, a lot of things matter besides just that bottom line. 
I appreciate you saying that, Joe, regarding you know, your first statement on self-monitoring and just, you know, I know we all value the importance of it, um, but I, I appreciate the compliment just because, you know, to your point, so often it's just a knee-jerk response of if there, if a client is not predictively losing or just progressing, just pull the rug underneath them and drop calories. And that's, it may be ultimately that's what happens, but it's clinically it's, it's reckless because it may not be what's the next, it may not be the best step without analyzing other, in most cases, probably logical, practical uh, issue that, that is likely going on. So it, it warrants us to have to investigate those things and do our due diligence. It may piss them off because um, this is where the conversation is going to kind of teeter. But um, before I get into the, you know, that conversation, what that looks like, because clients can't take offense, you know, they feel well, they are being honest, you know, they are doing the best they can, but that doesn't make it necessarily accurate uh, or precise on their part, whether it is because they don't know, or they're not weighing, or they, they don't know what that means or the value of that. But um to answer what I had typically say as red flags is user error or program error, I should say. Um, my fitness power, any digital diary for the most part is notorious for these. Alcohol does not, you know, when you see alcohol not have any macronutrients, that's a red flag. Uh, when you see dining out meals not have anything, granted, they may be doing something and just making up their own estimates. But, you know, to that point, that's to me, those are very easy red flags to question accuracy um whether it was planned or not that's one thing you know i don't want to get into the behaviors necessarily but you know those are just things to just keep on back burner if there's a lack of progress then we need to put that we need to consider that context that maybe there's some objectivity error but um alcohol is the biggest culprit i tend to see from a food source you want to call it like that fiber, just because there is a difference. Therefore, you may see some rounding issues when it comes to companies. Not to mention use of net carbs. That's a that's a topic we can do. And even uh, we can tab that one. But um, there's a lot of things that we're looking for. That's not just are you logging? Did you know? Are you weighing it out? If not, you're a piece of shit. It's just not. It's not like that at all. But um, so the. Last question to you both is just what is that conversation like? Because I know, as I've said, clients can take it offensively um, as if they're being dishonest and not doing their best, which is not the case. But how does that conversation go for you? Um, and I, this is speaking more to just for coaches so they have the understanding of how they should be approaching clients, assuming they hopefully are doing this compassionately. But um, how does that look like for you, Austin, when then when there is a discrepancy, how do you go about it in a compassionate but nudgy way, if that's a word? It's a great question. And it and you're right, it is kind of a sensitive subject because you know you've been working with this client for a while and and they are tracking, they are trying to make the changes necessary to see their results, but something's just clearly not working. I know in a previous podcast we talked about all of those different factors that we can look at. So I like to go through that list. But Another thing that I didn't mention earlier that I think is worthy and to, it kind of brings up to your question is when I'm looking at like the foods and stuff that they're consuming, I also like to look at these little hidden calories, right? We talk about like 
sauces, you know, what type of sauces and seasonings are they using? Is it like the, the Walden farms where it says like no calories, but they're just shoveling all of the Walden farms and all of their things and they're eating an abundance of it, you know, and, and what people maybe don't realize is the FDA allows companies to, to round a certain number and, and the FDA allows a certain percentage of error on nutrition facts. So they can be off by like 20 or 30%. So if you see low calories, something might have one or two grams of carbohydrates in it, but they, you know, can round down to saying, well, no, this is zero. And to your point, they might say like, well, it's just this type of carb. So it doesn't count. So we can say that it's zero on the thing. And if someone is using a ton of that, then that's something that I'm like, Hey, it looks like you've been doing things really well, but I'm kind of questioning this sauce or this seasoning. Would you be willing to try something else? Can we switch to more spices and herbs? something that's a little more controlled that we know may not have these little hidden calories in there. And uh, sometimes that that's an easy part to the conversation, but then you also have that resistance, right? Like I don't want to change. Like I'm already eating fruits and vegetables, which was hard enough for me. I don't want to have to change all of these things. Then I just kind of go and, and just say, okay, well, if that's, if that's the case, let's look at something else. Let's, you know, from a fitness background, I'm like, let's talk about energy balance. Like what can we, you know, if your goal is weight loss, we need to shift, like you're not losing weight. We need to shift that that um, I use the seesaw, we need to sh shift the seesaw in the other direction. So we're in a calorie deficit. So we might have to increase your activity. Maybe it's walking, maybe it's increasing your knee to a little bit more. We got to do something. And uh, we try that for maybe a week or two. And if nothing has changed, then it's going back to that list that we talked about in the previous podcast. What's your water like? What's your sleep like? What's this and that? Are you doing this? So uh, it is a sensitive conversation, but I always try to tell them that like, this is, this is for them. We're having this hard conversation for them. And and if it's just not working, then we just have to have the tough love conversation of, okay, like three weeks ago, you weren't willing to try and change this. And, and we've tried other things and we've collaborated, but now like we're here, we still haven't seen a change. So let's try to do this and see if that is the thing. And then we just try to continue to go from there. Thanks for that. Austin. And I'm, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that about the, just the the little subtle type of calories. Cause I remember Joe always years ago mentioning about a client of yours had bubble gum and they ate the whole thing and just, it was unaccounted for cause it's bubble gum, but over eating a whole pack of that a day accounted for 40 grams of carbs of which that's a big deal or potentially a big deal. So I, those little things can add up, but um, nevertheless, you on the, you know, directly to your response, you know, you're starting with the strength of, you know, validating what they've done, what they're doing well, and then just offering a suggestion. It's I know this sounds simple, but it's it, it's just not. It's a true skill to be compassionate and to respond just as kindly. So for you, Joe, what else would could you add to it? Are you always a tough love right away, or do you start more softer, so to speak, and then graduate to tough love if it if it's necessary to get to there? Well, having raised four kids into great adults, I, I do like to bring some of my parenting philosophies and skills into this communication. So I start with a lot of shame and contempt. And I ask the clients, like, why, why are you such a loser? Like, why can't you get this right? Um, but joking aside, of, of course, I agree with everything Austin said. And <laughs> and it, it really, you know, a, a client has too. to understand that it's this is objective. Like, we're just trying to get to the root of what's happening. So Definitely to say, I, I know you're trying hard. I know you're you're doing this. Hang in there with me. This is why you hired me. Let me do my job. Let me help you figure out where we're missing something. So I need your support and your help as I CSI my way through this. 
but then, yeah, you dig into all those details and, and it could be something that you're both missing or this client didn't even think was important to report like sodium, as Austin mentioned, it could be, could be sleep factors. It could be other things. Uh, a lot of times, as we talked about in previous podcasts, it's, it's the consistency of meals and in, in allowing too many other variables to come in. But the conversation is always, you know, hang in there with me. Let's let's work this out together. Let's be a team. Couldn't agree more with both of you. And, and it's obviously not surprising. You know, compassion is what's going to be direct and, and sincere, but being compassionate still as a, an underlying tone is always going to drive uh, change forward. So and that's the ultimate goal that we're that we're aiming for. So to, to, to close, I'll, I'll say this, you know, for clients, you know, tell yourself that when this circumstance does arise, it's important that what we're asking is just clarification rather than having to feel like it's scolding or criticizing. Sure. We may ask questions that are of critical or critical in nature, but it's just for clarification. As you have said, Joe, we're, we can only do our best when we have the best data so it's our job, trust us to help. Um, and for coaches, uh, keep in mind that it's never, it's always, almost always not about non-compliancy from a client standpoint. It's almost always a user error or a program error and to always keep that compassionate perspective and ultimately help them move forward, whatever is going on in the clinical picture. But I'll wrap it up here with today's episode on Flexible Dieting Podcast. Hope you all enjoyed it. We'll see you on the next one.